Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life and, of course, her favorite wines. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Lauren Ackerman, who is featured in Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. Lauren is an entrepreneur, community leader, philanthropist, and adventurer. Lauren, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Lovely to be with you, Michelle. Well, it is lovely to be in your Victorian here in downtown Napa. Thank you. And in your company, as always, it's it's always um, nice to spend time with you. Let's talk about your career. Do you remember your first professional paying job? Well, if you, you know, I remember my first job as a teenager was I used to teach sailing to other kids way back when because I grew up in Newport Beach in Southern California. And that was my first little entrepreneurial experience is I actually set up shop and I think it was probably a glorified babysitting process because a lot of the moms left their kids in my care to take them out and dump them over in boats back in the day. <laughs> wow, they had a lot of trust in you. Uh, back in those days, I guess there were some different laws and rules. Right. But that was my first first time that I really wanted to do things and start working for myself. But yes. uh, after college, I actually got into the technology world for a while and, and was working with uh, a lot of startups, actually. And just tell us briefly about what were some of those first few startups? Sure. Well, one of the companies, it was a company way back when called Vector Graphics. At the time, they were a very high-flying technology company run by two women, Lori Harp and Carol Ely. They were in the front cover of uh, Fortune Magazine and Inc. and all that at the time. They had just um, invented the first microcomputer before Apple, actually around the same time as Apple. And I was hired as the third person walking through the door with a college degree. And they put me in charge of West Coast sales, which back in those days was basically over the phone. But then I graduated to traveling through 11 Western states, selling computers to uh, companies that were actually sort of like hobbyists that put computers together in kits. And that was my first real job in the technology world. Amazing. A woman in technology a few years ago. Yes, <laughs> so it was that's... A crazy times, and it was uh, quite the Wild West back then. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, a whiz at technology. Well, you've got one up on me, for sure. <laughs> Fast forward, you are now living in the Napa Valley. How did you find yourself here? How, what's the story? What, yeah. What brought you well, here? Well, the story was, actually, I was still working in the technology world, um, but by this time in uh, 1994... I was still doing some consulting for a lot of technology, information technology companies. And unbeknownst to me, my husband at the time was looking for a horse for me. In my spare time, I loved to ride. And I was riding at a stable down in Mill Valley area. I was riding a Morgan horse, a certain breed. So unbeknownst, my husband went looking around to find a horse to give me as a gift for our anniversary. And it took him all over, looking at all over the place. And he found two that were available for sale in Napa. And apparently he went up there with my mother-in-law. They went to go see the horses, and he said, yep, they look good. And he said, why are you selling them? And the people said, well, we're selling the whole property. So he and my mother-in-law then spent four or five hours touring the property. And at the end of that, 
put an offer on it contingent that I'd come back the next week not knowing about the horses. And obviously, um, when I did, we made an offer on the house and the horses came as part of the deal. Oh, wow. So did the property also have vineyards on it? It did. It had uh, 11 acres planted in vineyards. It's a property is about 16 acres altogether. Oh, wow. 11 planted in mostly Cabernet Sauvignon. And what part of the Napa Valley? So the, the property, property is located in Coombsville, which back in 1994 was a very much an unknown commodity. But a lot of great uh, wine growers were out there. Um, a lot of vineyards were out there, but they just were undiscovered yet. Mm-hmm. And I think when we put our winery process together, we were only about the 10th to 12th, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood, of small wineries in the area. Now there's well over 50 in oh, the area. It really grew. It's grown quite tremendously and still growing. So you were the um, trailblazers. One of the <laughs> early ones, but not the earliest. Just, you know, kind right. of came in and, and liked what the, the area had to produce, which was different than what you found in other parts of the Napa Valley. Right. So when you purchased that land, did you move up here full time or? Yes. You yes. Did. It became my permanent residence. Mm-hmm. I was at an interesting crossroads. I had an opportunity to work for um, another software technology company. And I was had five interviews into it. And I finally got to the top part of that and went, you know what? I'm going to keep on doing my consulting and I'm moving to Napa. And that was, I think, the best choice I ever made is moving to Napa. Um, it was just a wonderful time to be there to really start. I knew no one at the time, but it was a great time to, to enjoy what Napa had to provide. Let's talk about that now. What, what do you think the community provides or what did it provide for you? It well, continues to provide. I, you know, it's wonderful. Uh, Napa is a small community, only about 140,000 people throughout the valley. And for me, over time, it's just some of the best friendships I've ever seen. People tend to give a lot. And I think that's because the vintners themselves throughout Napa are very prone and very uh, to giving and to giving a lot. They get asked a lot too, but they are wanting to help there's a number of nonprofits in the area, over 500 now in Napa, which is quite amazing. A, that is for amazing. For a relatively small, small area. area. Right. Um, and I think, you know, for me, some of my best friends have um, come from here now. Just people who are all here for the same reasons. Great lifestyle, great beauty, great wine, great food, and I think just a really strong sense of community. Having some acres, a wine brand. Mm-hmm. Although, how quickly did you start a wine brand? It took me a while because we actually made wine for about eight or nine years just to see what the vineyard would produce. Okay. So really, we came, uh, became uh, commercial, if you will, in 2006. Okay. And you continued to work in technology. Mm-hmm. But then you decided to take on a, a big endeavor, this yeah. house that we're in. Small project. <laughs> yeah, small project. Because you didn't have enough to do. That's right. <laughs> well, I knew as we were building the winery... Our first commercial vintage was 2003, and I knew that we were growing, and with the county changing and a number of things happening, I really wanted to create a place that would be really unique and special, not knowing that it would be particularly this particular house. So we are sitting here in downtown Napa in an 1888 Queen Anne Victorian-style house that I basically sat across the street from looking at going, I wish somebody would save that house. It was completely overgrown and dilapidated. It was pink and purple. It was, um, you know, just incredibly, you know, 
out of shape or bad shape when I saw it. And I got enough gumption up to finally go with a realtor friend of mine and said, I, I want to just go look at it. I'm not going to buy it. Famous last words. <laughs> go in. We go in through and I was just smitten from day one. I just went in here and went, wow, I can't believe something like this exists. It was in, in terrible, terrible shape. It had 50 years of deferred maintenance and really uh, a lot of trash and a lot of falling boards and you know water damage and all sorts of things because it, it had been neglected well the people living here were trying to restore it but they got in over their heads i believe and they were trying to do things and um, they just couldn't keep up with what was the house actually needed so i was able to purchase it very naively thought i could fix it for a budget of x five years later it was three times x oh wow yeah and uh, that was quite an episode as well. Many, many times I thought there's no way I could finish this, that I would just sit down and look at myself going, what the heck did I do and why did I do this? Why, yeah. And then, of course, the earthquake in oh, right. 2014, mm-hmm. and that stopped the project in its tracks for a while. Did, did the house have any damage from the earthquake? It Nothing structurally, thank goodness, but all the unreinforced plaster walls and beautiful crown moldings that had been there since 1888 that I had just refinished oh. in five rooms all came crumbling down. Oh my goodness. Yes, it was disaster and all back to studs. I just sat and cried for a day or two and then picked myself up and went, all right, Lauren, what are you going to do? and figured out a way to get back on track. Please Took tell me. Took me another year. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you had insurance. Um, no. Oh, no. No, in, no, no, not for a house like this, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, you really did have to have a, um, I gosh, I'm not sure, have a lot of faith, <laughs> have a lot of faith and perseverance to overcome that. I, you know, for me, it's it was truly a lesson in that faith, courage, being hopeful, and persistence. You know, you have to be in a project like the, any project for that matter, but this project in particular, you couldn't give up midway. It's either done or it's not. So I had to find a way. So. Well, it's, it is truly a spectacular place. Thank you. So I would say your labor of love for this property shines. Thank and you. anyone that walks through the door will be blown away. Well, you know, the biggest compliment anyone makes, and, and it's made all the time, which I love, it's people walk in and go, wow, I feel like I'm stepping back in time. And that's exactly the kind of feeling we wanted to create, because here we are in Napa, and think back to 1888. There were 140 wineries in operation in 1888. And I have this vision of the original owner of this house, a woman, whose name was Sarah Heyman, picking up her skirts and getting in her horse and buggy and going around wherever the wine might have been poured and having a wine experience back in 1888. Can you imagine? No, I can't. But it's kind of cool to think about it. I always think about that. I don't know if she did that for sure. But, you know, certainly here you are in Napa. And uh, back even in the 1800s, they liked their wine. Not only did you restore this house, but you've made it a culinary epicenter of sorts event space actually yeah so what we wanted to do is bring these old houses alive and aside from being a b&b which everybody asks but no it's not a b&b it's simply like a i call it a living museum and by the living part means is we actually use it we actually 
recreate historic events, but we use it for Victorian teas. We we use it for, um, we've done small weddings. We did a murder mystery dinner here. And of course, wine events with Ackerman Family Vineyards that we create you know, special events with um, sommeliers and chefs and things like that. So we're having a lot of fun just coming up with historic ideas that are related to f- wine and food. And your tasting room is on a small carriage house that's on the back yes. of the property. Yes, it, that was added by the second owners um, in 1910. By um, And we call it the, the aviary. And the reason it's called the aviary is because when I got it, there was an actual aviary in that building that had been set up to... Uh, raised chickens and pheasants from the early 1900s all the way up probably through World War II or beyond kind of interesting want more on today's interview purchase Wine Country Women of Napa Valley it's available on our website at winecountrywomen.com So let's talk about your wine brand. Yes, because I think people need to know about how special it is. Sure. Um, how many different varietals do you make? What's the case production? Yeah, well, all in right now. We're growing right now. For years, we were quite small, um, about six, 700 cases. This year, we did about 1,200. And this coming fall, we'll have about 1,800 cases. And that's comprised of about five different varietals. Um, we are growing, I think, to add a couple more um, in the near future. But that is the, the flagship is our 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, all estate grown out in Coombsville. And then we have uh, what we call La Chatelaine, which is a five uh, varietal Bordeaux style blend of Cabernet with Cap Franc and Merlot, and Petit Verdot, and Malbec. And then we do uh, Alavena Tosca, which is a Sangiovese Cabernet blend. So we purchased Sangiovese from Up Valley, but the Cabernet, again, is our state grown. And then we have uh, Trousseau Gris. Trousseau Gris is an interesting grape varietal. It's actually a red grape, but when it's pressed very short, limited time, it actually turns out white. It's its own varietal, and there's only one or two vineyards all in California that have that. So it comes from the Petaluma Wind River Gap area. And we make uh, Trousseau Gris in small quantities for that. And then we have um, what we call a fortified wine. You, uh. We can't use the name port anymore, but that's essentially the style that it is. And that's coming out uh, here shortly. And that one's been aged and will continue to age uh, with a little brandy as a fortification for that. But something fun that is only going to be available here at the house. Awesome. So if people are interested in tasting your wines, what's the best way for them to go about doing that? Well, they certainly make appointment. We're by appointment only. And they can go on sellerpass.com, and we are located on that. And you can go on there and pick your date and time on any schedule that's open. Or you can call uh, 855-AFV-WINE. And I can't remember the number of that. (laughs) I just know AFV-WINE. But you can dial that, and that takes us right to one of our folks here. 
Okay. So they can purchase a bottle? Yes, they can. Come for a tour. (laughs) Absolutely. Come for a tour and tasting. We also do um, wine and food pairings where we have small bites that are uh, made by chefs that we work with who are formerly French laundry chefs, and they come and do special pairings with our wines. And we've also can do other kinds of special, uh, more culinary experiences with wine as well. For anyone that's interested in that. That's right. Yes. That's super. So let's get back to you. You are this amazing, beautiful woman that's certainly accomplished. What drives you? Oh, well, thank you first off for that <laughs> lovely description. Um, if you knew my backstory, yeah, it's like every day is, a, is a, you know, kind of a crazy day. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. I think what drives me is um, I really love being creative and I think this is the biggest canvas I've ever been able to build if you will I love community and I love people um, in that community meeting new people and when you own a small winery and of course a place like this there's a lot of people that you get to meet which is part of what I love about being in the wine business having those conversations over a great glass of wine I love the wine itself because it's such a um, addition to a culinary experience. When you're having great food, why not have great wine? And that pairing, that that sensation, that that you know, flavoring together is something so unique and so amazing that we Californians and we Nappans in particular are so blessed to have. And I think for me, you know, I just love getting up every morning, being excited about what I'm going to do that day. Every day you get up, you have a lot to do, right? That's true, (laughs) yes. Quite a bit. And every day Um, is different. (laughs) What's the best advice that you could offer someone who wants to start a business? You know, I think the best thing to really do is really ask yourself, are you ready for not just the good parts, but the bad parts too? And are you really able to deal with the disappointments as well as the high satisfaction days, I call them. Because I think every day is going to be different, and not all of this is glamorous. It looks glamorous, but it isn't always. And I think that's what I really have to remember, and I remind my team, is like, there's going to be those days that are not all fun. And you have to just look at saying that's part of what comes with the package. By and large, being your own boss is the best thing you could ever be. It's also the position that you work the hardest I have never worked harder than I work for myself. And I think that's because I enjoy and love what I do. And my team works hard too because they are part of the family. I treat them that way because I want to make sure they have an interest in being successful along with me. It's just that my name may be on the bottle, but it has nothing to do with that for me. It has everything to do with something building something unique, special, and sustainable. And so I think having that drive and having that ability to get up every morning and really ask yourself, am I ready to work hard to make this happen? And if the answer is yes, then by all means, go for go it. Go for it. Let's talk about your life now here in the Napa Valley, your mm-hmm. personal life, because we know that you work hard. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you have much extra time, but uh, when you do, what do you enjoy most that the Napa Valley has to offer? Well, I enjoy being with friends and we get together quite a bit. 
And one of the things in my Newport Beach life long, long ago, I was a, obviously a beach girl, but I grew up around boats. And I used to sail, and my parents had um, motorboats, and we'd go out and do that. So one of the things I'm now doing is I bought myself a little boat. You did. And I now go cruising on the Napa River. You do. With friends, with a little wine, a little food, little cheese, crackers. And what we love to do is go out in the nicer weather and throw an anchor out in the middle of the river where it's quiet and all the marshes and the egrets and the blue herons are out there. And we throw an anchor overboard and we watch the sunset, drinking a little wine, having great conversation. And that, to me, is a perfect end of the day. I agree. That's perfect. That is <laughs> You'll have to awesome. come with me next time, Michelle. <laughs> I would love to do that. That's, an, that's a special invitation for Absolutely. sure. That's that's awesome. I want to know though. Do you do you still sail? I don't. I would love to. There's no real good sailing here other than in, in San Francisco, right. and I just don't have time to get down there on a regular basis. But when I get in a boat, it's just like riding a bicycle. You, you can pick do it, it right back up. Yeah. So when I travel, I like to go to places that I can rent a boat and sail around in the bay or harbor or something like that. I, I wondered if you could just pick up those skills. Absolutely. That's yeah. Amazing. I, I, you know, that image that you painted is a great one that I wish I could do right now. <laughs> yes, me too. The weather's but not quite cooperating these days, not, but not it's quite there. It'll be coming soon. Soon. <laughs> I know this is a loaded question, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to give several answers. But are there favorite restaurants that you like oh. in the Valley? <laughs> Well, I, it would be the right thing to say all of them. Right. Absolutely. But um, are there a few standouts that? It- yeah, you know, because I tend to. So I'm always so busy and on the run. And I love going to restaurants where I know I never have a, an, a problem or issue. So my second office, I call it, is Angel, which is just a couple blocks down here. And Bettina Rose is wonderful. And her staff down there is amazing. And they always accommodate me. But also there's Cole's Chop House and Celadon. And since I'm in downtown Napa and we have so many more options, you know, with Torque and Minimashi and uh, Onotri and places like that, they're all are part of my, what I call my second offices, right. because we go there all the time when people come over and might have a reception or some wine tasting here and then inevitably say, well, I'd love to go grab dinner. Where should we go? Call the, you know, any one of them and you can get right in. Several restaurants in Napa, but do you go up Valley? I, I do. I wish I could get up there more often, but... Um, when I go up Valley, I love going into Yountville and all the restaurants mm-hmm. there. Okay. And um, I haven't been to St. Helena for a little while, but I know there's some amazing places, places that I'd too. love to go up there too. So. Okay. Do you have any hobbies or anything people might be surprised to learn about? Um, I mean, know, other than sailing. Well, you know, obviously um, antiquing was a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Love antiques. Um, I love uh, sports cars, so I have a uh, little interest in that. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Uh, you have yeah. a collection I don't know about? No, well, I have um, <laughs> a couple fun cars, and um, they don't get driven very often, but I enjoy them. I have a um, little convertible that's um, I've had. It was what my I call my life is too short car. Um, I had in uh, 2004, I went through breast cancer, and... Um, was you know that was a crazy year of course and I had looked at a car long back and dreamed about whether or not I could ever do it and uh, lo and behold right after I finished my last chemo the dealer in down in Marin called me and said this car was available and I went, oh my gosh 
And I just said to myself, life's too short. Go down there. And I purchased that car. What is it? It's a BMW Alpina Z8. They only made 500 of them. Oh, very cool. And um, I get so much joy driving that. Obviously, I don't drive it enough, but I love that. And it's one of those cars that reminds me when I'm driving it with the top down up valley on Silverado Trail, what freedom and uh, fortitude and getting through things is all about. And that sometimes you can reward yourself when you do. What color is it? It's black with black. tan interior. Oh, very pretty. Very fun car. I think that I think it was a great way to um, reward yourself for overcoming a great obstacle. Yeah, I think that was a crazy year. I'll bet. And I'll that bet. And, and and that little, you know, it's just a thing. But you know that that thing actually is what gives you a lot of joy mm-hmm. every once in a while. So, are there other cars? Um, other sports cars. <laughs> So I'm in the process right now for the house, actually, on restoring a 1960 Mercedes-Benz. Oh, very cool. That would be part of the program here. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, working on that. It's not done yet, but yeah. kind of in process. I feel like I have some friends I need to introduce you to. There you go. <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, you know, we're in wine country. Other yes. than Ackerman Family Wines. Yes. What do you like to drink at home? So, uh, you know, at home, I'm, um, interesting enough, I'm, I love, um, Pinots quite a bit Mm -hmm. and there's quite a number of lovely Pinots that, um, I've had, um, and I can't remember all the names actually, but I love that. So I do drink that from time to time. But honestly, when I'm at home, um, I'm not drinking a lot of, of, uh, wines as much because I tend to be drinking more wine when I'm social with folks than I do by myself. So when I'm home, I tend to drink a lot of, you know, uh, sparkling water with lemon and lime and, and, uh, lots of water and teas and things like that. But, uh, when I'm out and about with people, I drink a lot of sparkling wines as well. Love those and love my, the Pinots and of course, Napa cabs and Napa shards. Can't go wrong with those. That's right. One last personal question, and then we'll wrap things up. Sure. I'm curious, what's the most meaningful trip that you've ever taken? Well, you know, I've been blessed to be able to go on several, but one of the most meaningful trips was in 2013, I believe it was, was with Margaret Mandavi. And a group of us, we'd been traveling, um, I traveled with Margaret for over 10 years, every year. And this particular year, we we flew and traveled in Switzerland, which was her homeland. And we saw Switzerland from her point of view, from her childhood to her first marriage to where her kids and family, and we even met some of her family members while we were over there. Oh, how fun. And where she learned, obviously, um, you know, all the multiple languages. She, I don't know if many people knew, she spoke like seven different languages. Oh, I don't think I knew that. She was quite fluent and... Um, you know, Italian, German, French, plus um, Japanese and Spanish and a little bit of Russian and, of course, English and and I think one other language I can't recall. But but traveling with her in Switzerland that year was such a wonderful experience. She was my mentor, dear, dear close friend. I loved her very much. She and I met all the time just one-on-one for a lot of things. And seeing that Switzerland 
from her point of view, was quite memorable. Oh, imagine through her eyes. Yes, it was spectacular. Well, I would say that would be a memorable trip for sure. Yeah, very much so. Well, on that note, we will wrap things up with what I like to call five quick questions. All right, here we go. So the idea (laughs) is not to give a lot of thought to it. I'm trying out some new ones. So here we go. So what's the craziest place you've ever left your phone? The freezer. Okay. (laughs) What's your most used app on your phone? Facebook. Okay. Favorite picture on your Instagram feed? My cat. Okay. Um, Your favorite singer? Andrea Bocelli. (laughs) And lastly, what's one bucket list item? Visiting Bali. Okay, there you have it. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much thank for Thank you, s- Michelle. Thank you. It was great. Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business. Share these episodes on your social media platforms so more people can learn about Wine Country Women. Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.